Hello people of the internet, my name is Adam and welcome to the Adventure Log Podcast. In this episode we are taking a look at the Eternal Isles region, which is a region from my D&D world. Enjoy! How could some pirates and lowlifes manage to found an empire? The history of the empire is split into four separate eras and we will go through each of them, slightly different events occurred in each of the regions. But keep in mind that the perspective and the bias is focused on the Eternal Isles. The first era is marked by a large migration of humans, elves and dwarves from the far, far away continent of Ibra. Basically, the humans, elves and dwarves fled Ibra because of a cataclysm or war. You know, the good stuff. Humans first populated the Eternal Isles. They were pirates and mercenaries that have first settled on the coast of what is now known as the coast of Orlane, or the Pirate Coast. There were other pirates and tribes there, and our pirates couldn't really compete. They got their collective asses whooped. So they started to look for another place. They settled on the Eternal Isles because they had a strategic position that allowed them at the time to attack the pirates and tribes of the coast of Orlane and raid the northern part of the continent and the island of Makarath. Our pirates tended to raid more the northern part of the continent and started to prosper from that. The second era is more tumultuous event-wise. The beginning of the second era was marked by the fall of the first Amisus Men Empire on the mainland. It was also marked by the fall of mages to necromancy. Mages seeking the ultimate power or becoming necromancers or liches more and more to the point that seeing an army of undead or minor demons on the mainland was becoming common occurrence. The mercenaries and pirates of the Eternal Isles went through a great deal of prosperity because when war is ever present, mercenaries and pirates are always welcome by all sides. Whoever was fighting a war at the time would hire them out and they would gladly accept. But the true turning point for them was when a bunch of mages formed an organization called the Arcana Majoris and joined them on the island. The mages proposed an alliance with the pirates. They would provide protection against the undead and other terrifying forms of magic and the pirates would protect the island against armed forces and protect the mages on the battlefield. It was a sort of brains and brawn arrangement. In the fray of the wars that came afterward, the pirates now joined by the mages became more and more formidable, past any expectation. Out of the ranks rose three of the greatest emperors ever known in modern history. It started with Helmut I, then Helmut II, then Sigurd Battleborn. Helmut I managed to ally himself with the newly founded city of Orlane and stamped some of the most powerful liches and necromancers throughout the land. Wherever he went, necromancers and liches would end up dead and the area of his influence grew. In many places, local armies pledge allegiance to him 
And in 34 short years, the second Amisus Man Empire was born. His son, Helmut II, continued his father's tradition and also started the construction of the Eternal City and the Imperial Palace. Sigurd Battleborn is pretty much a special case. He was the adopted son of Helmut II and he was an elf by heritage, unlike his adoptive family who were humans. In one battle that Helmut II regarded as an easy one, he took his sons into battle to temper them and train them. Helmut II and all of his natural sons were killed and Sigurd was crowned emperor adopting the moniker Battleborn. Because of his elven heritage, he lived a long, long ass time. Some notable facts about Sigurd Battleborn. He established clear routes of communications with uh, all other cities of the empire and mandated the building of stone roads between all of the cities so that travel could be done swiftly and safely. In times of conflict, troops could be moved around more faster due to better travel conditions. Sigurd managed to keep his throne throughout his natural life. The third era is marked by the rise to power and subsequent fall of the Arcana Majoris. Since they joined the pirates that first populated the island, they became more and more powerful, thus more and more fanatical about stamping out magical corruption and killing the undead. After the rule of Sigar Battleborn, the Archmage at the time, Eax, was crowned as Emperor. Afterward, the Arcana Majoris basically went on a rampage throughout the whole continent and killed everyone they suspected was dealing with any sort of magic related to undeath. They also boosted the defense of their home by placing a permanent enchantment on the area around the Eternal Isles to be perpetually shrouded in a type of magical mist. This mist would sink any ship that tried to pass through unless they had on board a special type of mage, a navigator, which only the Arcana Majoris trained. The mages also started to experiment with different types of magic. The results were not very good, pretty much the whole land on the island was rendered barren. No plant life ever grows there, even now. While trying to expand their territories and ideology further north, the mages started a war with the northern Skartush Empire. This war lasted for more than 100 years and almost broke the empire. In order to end the conflict and to avoid the certain defeat, a permanent magical barrier separating uh, the Amisus Empire from the Skartush Empire was erected. All while the mages of the empire sought and destroyed corruption wherever they found it. At the time of the Skartush War, the presiding god emperor was Helkar the Wise. After the erection of the magical barrier up north, Helkar continued his campaign to spread enlightenment and stamp out corruption that remained on the continent. He did encounter some trouble from the city of Durum, who believe in the silly notion that magic is neither good nor bad, it all depends on how you use it. Helkar showed his resolve and tightened the grip on the city of Durum even more. In the Dead Swamps area, in a family of farmers, a child named Sander was born. This is written in the history books as the start of the fourth era. Sander grew up hating the empire after the lawful execution of his parents for practicing forbidden magic. He resolved to kill 
any mage that affiliated with the Empire until himself will be caught and executed by the Empire forces. But he wasn't. He won a number of minor skirmishes in the dead swamps and started to gather more allies wherever he went. In five short years he managed to get the unofficial support of the city of Dorum. Meanwhile Helkar was furious about this upstart peasant killing mages throughout the empire. He had already sent two armies after Sander, who by now was given the moniker Mage Slayer, but both of them failed. One was defeated soundly and one defected after the mages were assassinated prior to the start of the battle. Helkar decided to send his very best after this Sander, his elite troops stationed in the Eternal City. That was a fatal mistake. You see, Sander was a brilliant tactician and had planned an assault on the city, but first he needed to remove the Imperial Legions out of the equation. So he baited Helkar by sending rude messages through the survivors of any army he defeated in battle. Helkar took the bait, so Sander with support from Dorum and Orlain took a small force of 200 soldiers and managed to take the Imperial Palace, executing Helkar and his consul in the process. After the sacking of the city and uh, killing the consul and most of the mages present in the Imperial Palace, Sander was crowned as Emperor. One of the notable accomplishments of Sander was to convince the Arcana Majoris to separate from the matters of state and to create their own floating island uh, above the Eternal Isles. After these events, the Arcana Majoris was pretty much disbanded and a new organization, the Arcana Verite, was formed. They pledged themselves in the service of the Empire and pledged never to seek power ever again. Sander Mageslayer later started his own dynasty that rules to this day. What possible adventures can you find in the city capital of an empire? We're going to talk about the politics, economy and we are making an adventure outline for the Eternal Isles region. In general, the economy is driven by resources and trade. So you can have resources and you want to trade them and the other way around. The thing about the Eternal Isles is that the land is barren and there are no natural resources to be extracted from the Isles. The only true resource of the island is magic. The Arcana Verite has at its uh, disposal a shit ton of magic. Most of the income comes from two things. First, taxes. Since the Eternal Isles hosts the Emperor, he collects taxes from the rest of the empire and brings it back into the city. Second is magic. The Arcana Verite instructs its mages to construct magical devices, scrolls, armors, weapons, what have you, then turns around and sells them on the open market. This along with the fact that the guild charges pretty high for the training in the arcane arts means that the Arcana Verite brings in a significant part of the gold necessary for both the city and the empire to function. The mages reinvest most of their gold back into the empire since they are really really tied into the politics of the empire. Which brings us to... More or less, the Amisus Empire is led by the emperor. But even though the emperor is the ultimate power, the monarch in the last era usually 
doesn't really want to exercise his power. Because of this, there is a three-way split of power and responsibility. First, the Senate. It has representatives from the Arcana Verite, the noble houses of the Eternal Isles, representatives from all other cities, and representatives from the most influential guilds in the Empire. The Arcana Verite usually holds the majority of representatives in a sort of 51-49 majority. Second, the Elder Council. The Council ratifies into law proposals that have been voted on by the Senate. They also handled setting of the tax rates. All of the members of the Council are usually mages. 3. The Emperor. He has final say in everything can dissolve the senate and the elder councils at his whim and can veto any law. In modern times, the emperor doesn't really act on this power and usually lets the council and the senate run things on his behalf. And so, to wield some sort of political power in the empire, you must either be a high up member of a guild, member of a noble house in the eternal isles, or representatives of any of the city-states of the empire or a mage. As a parallel, you could look at the Roman Empire, where every conquered region could be separate, but ultimately they owed their safety to the emperor so they paid taxes in return. Also, twice a year all of the leaders of the city-states must stay for one month in the Eternal City, far far away from their loyal retainers. This measure is put in place in order to keep the leaders of the city-states in check and remind them that at least twice a year they are vulnerable. Uh, we will start by just sort of rolling some dice. I have the adventure from the DM's uh, manual. Right, so we will start with a framing event. So, a framing event is a... Uh, the 100 I rolled a 28 so that means commemoration of a past tragedy this is the framing event in which the adventure triggers we are going to add some complications I'm going to add one twist which is a 6 out of a d10 so that is Compelling an adventure goal fulfills a prophecy or prevents the fulfillment of a prophecy. That's a twist. And I'm also going to add a quandary, which is a d20, and I rolled a 5. So that is a friend quandary. So that means that they'll have to make a complicated choice at some point. And now let's roll some of the stuff from the actual adventure so it will be a dungeon because it's in in the city limits right so it will be a dungeon goal first and that's another five and it's find a particular item for a specific purpose now we are going to add other goals to the d12 six and that's break a prisoner out of jail or prison camp and also let's do this uh, adventure patrons 19 embattled merchant let's see some allies also a d12 
9. So a 9 is a celestial ally. Adventure villain. The villain will be, I rolled a 15 out of a 20, humanoid schemer seeking to rule. Now we'll do the introduction, which is also a d12. And the introduction is 7. A town or village needs volunteers to go to the adventure location. Goddamn, this is perfect. And let's see the climax. Also a 12. 7. A portal opens to another plane of existence. Creatures on the other side spill out, forcing the adventurers to close the portal and deal with the villain at the same time. And I'm also going to add a side quest, so let's see. 8. Secure the aid of a character or creature in the area. And that's it. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating or a comment and share this podcast with your friends. Once again, my name is Adam and this was the Adventure Log Podcast. I will see you on the internet. Bye.